it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. No, I am not Taylor Swift and probably not what you're anticipating this morning, but I am honored to be here with you and just kind of wrap up this series that we've been in called What's Your Problem? And hopefully you've learned a whole lot through this series. It's been a great one, as most of ours are, and we keep, keep them on the web and the app for you guys to refer back to them just in case you miss something. But through this series, we've taken a look at our problems, and hopefully you've gained a different perspective on them. Maybe you see them in a different light. Hopefully you do. Maybe a little more purposeful or, or just have a different perspective on how you're supposed to deal with them. And we even spent some time, as Anthony just prayed, every single service we're concentrating on prayer because we believe that that is what's going to help us get through our problems is when we call out to God. But maybe like through that, you've learned a little bit different of what prayer is and what it does and how it, how it works in our problems. And we've got to spend time with each other, just in a special time of prayer, praying for each other, praying for our problems. And so today, though, we are going to look at like, what if it's not your problem? What if it's somebody else's problem? It has nothing to do with you. And yet the solution to other people's problems feels pretty simple. It's like, it's not my problem. I don't got to worry about that. It's not mine. But yet the reality is like other people's problems eventually begin to push up on us. It begins to crowd around us and we can't isolate ourselves from them as much as we would like to. And we just can't live with blinders on. As, as comfortable as that could be, we're going to miss things. There's sometimes other people's problems just get in our way. And it's much like us just driving down the road in our car, like we chose the car we want to drive, we're in it, we get to pick out like what music we want to listen to, it's just our little place. But yet, there's hundreds of other cars around us every day, like maybe slowing down right in front of you and not getting over to the other lane as they should, but they're all around us. And our rear view mirrors and our side view mirrors tell us that, that we should be looking out for other cars, everybody around us. And you see them, but you don't know why they bought the car that they bought, or you don't know if they prefer the number three at the Chick-fil-A or the number one, or like, what are they arguing about, or why are they texting while they're supposed to be driving? You don't know any of that because it's really not your problem. But at some point, it could become your problem, so you have to pay attention. Because at any moment, they could hit the brakes while you're behind them, or they could just swerve into your lane. And then it does become your problem. And so what do we do with other people's problems? How do we cope with them? And just depending on your wiring and your makeup, you may handle people's problems differently. Some of us should just avoid them, or we just dismiss them, like, glad it's not me, not my problem, and you just keep on rolling. And then some of us are just, let's be honest, we're little meddlers. We like to be a little bit nosy. And if that's not you, you probably know somebody that is like that. Like I think of that, um, the insurance commercial where all the ants, you have an ant problem. You know, the one I'm talking about, like all the ants just descend on your home and like one just opens up your fridge and they're like expired, 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 or like, hello, Aunt Joni's here. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They want to just meddle in your stuff and give you some good advice, even though they really not be an expert at anything. 
And for those people, like Facebook is like Disney World, like a trip to Disney World. It's like a fast pass because they get to see everybody's problems. And not only do they get to see them, whether they know them or not, they get to comment on them as well and like give their advice. This is what I would like to do. This is how I would handle that problem. And so we've probably all known people like that. And if you're in like the church community, we'll just be honest and real up in here. Sometimes we call it a prayer request. And you know how that goes. Like, darling, let me tell you how I can pray for you, but tell me all about it. Give me the specifics, spill the tea. I wanna know what's going on. Which is why if you look at our prayer loft on on our page, on our website, you will not see any names ever. It's like we keep it anonymous. But you have people that are in your life like that. They're just meddlers. They're just nosy. They just wanna try to fix your problems, but not give you really good advice. And then there's people that just like compare their problems with other people's problems. And part of my career, I got, I was a therapist and I got to work with a geriatric population, which I loved. Tons of life lessons from that, from that group of people. And I would encourage you, if you don't have a friend that's way older, find a friend that's way older because they have so much value and input to share from their life to yours. They teach you a whole lot of stuff and you can avoid a whole lot of mistakes. But we would often get them in a group and, and it, was, it wasn't long before they just started to compare their ailments with each other. Like one guy would just have like, I've had gallbladder surgery and then the next person sitting next to him would say, well, like I've had my gallbladder removed four times. Not just one, but four times. Or there would be like the lady that's like, I'm on like my 10th cataract, you know, or whatever it was. Like they would just up one another on their ailments. And it was like they were in a race. Like, let's see who hurts the worst or let's see who's going to die the first. Like, and it just kept going back and forth. But you've all known people like that in your life. Like if you've got one problem, they probably have like five or six and they're always way worse than whatever problem you're dealing with. Or maybe you're the type that like other people's problems, it just, it just completely overwhelms you. You're just intimidated by them because they feel so big. And for us, like we just can't even tolerate the news for like two minutes because it just puts us under. Because we don't know how to deal with all the tragic things that are happening. The world's problems are just coming at us and we don't know what to do. So it's either we're like, that is not a big deal. Your problem's not a big deal. Or like, I can't deal. I don't know how to deal with it. But today, we're going to learn how, how to deal with other people's problems and maybe, hopefully, get a different perspective on them. Because we don't just want to cope with people's problems. But how do we handle them? And if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're just curious about following Jesus and, and what that means and what that looks like, first of all, we just want to say thank you for, for your time. Thank you for trusting us with your time to lean in and see what Jesus is all about. And hopefully you're going to be encouraged today and, and walk out with hope in what you're going to hear when it comes to other people's problems. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is something that we're actually commanded to do. This is something that he has told us to do if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be like him. Because when we choose to follow the Jesus way of handling other people's problems, something significant and special happens something that we can't even understand, something that we can't describe, because honestly, it's beyond us. He's out to do something more than just cope with people's problems. And we're gonna look to the book of Galatians to to start our conversation about this today. And it's written by Paul. And and if you know Paul, he wrote a lot of letters to churches as they were beginning to be born, as these churches were young and they're trying to figure out 
Like they didn't have the scriptures like we have. They were trying to figure out how do I follow Jesus? What do we do? How do we work together as a church? How do we live this out? And so one of the things that he told them in Galatians 6 was to carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so carry, oftentimes you think of like carrying your suitcases, you're carrying your groceries. We have this concept of carrying, and oftentimes it feels like a lot when you're carrying something. And here Paul is telling us to carry one another's burdens, and that seems to be a little bit overwhelming if you're of the kind that's like, I can't even deal with that because I look at all the problems of the world and it's just too much. But before we like say, I give up, I turn back, I don't know about this Jesus thing anymore, like hang with me for just a minute because we're gonna look at that a little bit deeper and just figure out what caring actually means and what Paul was trying to tell us. And so I want you for just a second to go with me back to the gym. How many of you are still living out your resolutions and you're, back, you're hitting the gym every day? Okay, somebody laughed. Yeah, I think there was one person in the last service. So like, you're not alone. Yeah, it's, it's the end of January. All that is done. But we're gonna go back to the gym. It counts today. We're gonna go there mentally. And so you know that spring is coming and you're gonna get in shape because short sleeve season is about to be upon us and you just want to look, your buys and tries have got to look good for whatever, whoever you're trying to impress, they love your buys and your tries. So you gotta get them, you gotta get them looking good. So we're in the gym and you're on the bench press. And we know that the only way that you're gonna get a muscle stronger is you gotta tax it a little bit. If we just kept doing things that were easy for us to pick up all the time, you're gonna get your endurance built, but you're gonna do nothing for your muscle. And so you want that nice shape on the top and on the bottom. You wanna look good. And so you gotta max, max it out. You gotta max your muscle out. And so there you are, you're very much determined. You're on the bench press and you're lifting that bar. And you begin to lift it. You're on your fifth rep and you're going for seven. So you're almost there and you've maxed it out. This is way more than what you've done the past three days. You're, you're, on, you're on track. And so you get there, but then you begin to notice your arms are beginning to shake. And you guys know how that feels. And not only your arms start to get in on the job, your legs start pulling up too. And you're doing everything you can to get that bar up. But thankfully for you, you paid for the good gym membership. You're at a good gym and you have a spotter. And that spotter's standing next to you and they're watching you. And they figure out like, she ain't gonna make it. She ain't gonna make it. Like she's been doing good, but she ain't gonna make it this time. And so they come in and they begin to lightly lift the bar for you. They begin to help you. They don't take the bar off. They don't take it away from you. They just help you lift it safely back on its rest. And so when we look at this concept of caring, it is not coming in and picking up the load and running away with it. It is spotting someone. You're lifting it up. You're taking it away so the weight doesn't come crashing down on them. And we see this concept again in Philippians where Paul is writing to another church that was like getting up on their feet and trying to figure out this Jesus thing. And he said, don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So yes, it is easier, much easier to say like, I've got 99 problems and you're not one. We could say that and we could live that way. We could live with our blinders on, but it's just not the Jesus way. And so before we get burned down with this concept of caring and thinking like, I can't spot everybody. How am I supposed to spot everybody? Before we get lost in that, let's take a second and let's look at what caring is not. 
Because I think that will help us figure out what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live this command of Christ out. And so the first thing is, caring is not everybody, but it is somebody. Because the reality is, like, you're not there to solve everybody's problems. You're not there to carry the weight of every problem. The world doesn't need another savior because it already has one, and that is Jesus, and he's already done that work. And so your role is to not come in and, and solve the problem, and it's not everybody because there's no way you have the capacity for that. But God is inviting us to take a role in somebody's life. And so for just a second, just hold your hand out with me and open it up wide. And I want you to think of a neighbor, maybe whoever comes to your mind, a friend, an acquaintance, a coworker. Somebody that provides a service to you, whether that's your dog groomer or someone that does your lawn or our hairdressers, we love them. <laughs> Whoever that is that maybe like you don't see like on an everyday kind of basis, but you do see them frequently enough. Who are those people? What are they going through? Do you even know what they're going through? And maybe these are people that you don't have like um, a close relationship with. You don't see them all the time, but they're in your proximity. God has placed them in your five. He's put them there for a reason. Who are they and what are they going through? And maybe this whole starting to carry each other's burdens is trying to figure out who those people are and do I know what they're going through really? Like, how are they really doing other than just like the, hey, hello, how are you, thank you? Who are they? Who's in proximity to you and what are they going through? And maybe we just start there. It's not everybody, but it is somebody. And then the second thing that caring is not, it's not to solve, but it's to shoulder, just like we used our weightlifting example. You're not there to lift the weight, take it away from somebody. Because if we did that, no one would ever grow. It would be like just doing your kids' math problems all the time from like kindergarten all the way to like 12th grade. Like they would never know how to do math and then they would never leave your house. So don't do that. Let them do the math. Let them struggle. But sometimes you know you have to step in a little bit and help shoulder the load and help it explain it a little more. And this is hard for us. It's hard because when we see a problem, we want to fix it. That's our first reaction. And problems are meant to be solved. But sometimes that's not our role. It's something that we have learned that has helped us learn this as a church and, and personally too is like we would often take um, trips, international trips to third world countries and we have one going in May to West Africa that we are super excited about. But oftentimes you would step into these third world countries and just the amount of poverty would just slap you in the face. The lack of food, the lack of shelter, just that the high risk that children are at in third world countries of all sorts of diseases and beyond that, just, just all the things that you hear about. They're real and they're in front of you and you see them. And your first reaction is like, we've got to fix this. We've got to do something about this. And that is so true. We have a responsibility to that, especially as believers in Jesus. We do have a role in that. But our role is not to go in and fix it. And what we've learned is sometimes helping hurts. And it's just taken a lot of follow-up and a lot of us learning from other people on how do we do this well? And not only does that apply across the world, but we've also found that it applies right here in our own yards. Like sometimes we just wanna fix stuff and we wanna make it better and we wanna make it right. 
But when we rush in to fix things, we're actually robbing them of what God might be trying to show them through their problem. Because hopefully you've learned through this series that problems are just pathways that just push us to the heart of Jesus. And so sometimes owning someone else's problem robs them of the restorative work that Jesus is trying to do through their problem, and he's trying to show them who he is. And not only that, we just take over, and we don't let the gifts and the skills that God has already given them because he has created by them take play and take root. We just come and knock it out of the way. And I guess just to be honest with you, if we're being really honest with ourselves, is sometimes we just want to be the hero. And that's hard to hear, but sometimes it's true. And there's a place for heroes. We're all holding out for a hero. Don't go burn your capes because sometimes that's appropriate. But really, who are we allowing to be the hero? So this is a delicate question and one that takes some time to process. But where do I need to step in and where do I need to back off? Because really, you're not meant to own everybody's problems or solve everybody's problems, but you are meant to be a piece of it. And so ask yourself, where do you need to step in and where do you need to back off? The next thing is carrying someone's burdens is not sentiments, but it's sincerity. And how many times have you heard this? And I've said it just recently, you're in my thoughts and prayers. I think we've all said it. It's just our, our initial response to something that we don't understand, that we don't know what to do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying that because Thoughts and prayers are great. But as believers, we can't reduce the power of the work of Jesus just to a passing sentiment. Because he's out to do so much more than that. Because every problem that we come across, every problem that we engage, whether it's our own or someone else's, there's a promise behind it. There's something that God's trying to work out. There's something that God's trying to do in that problem. And so instead of just passing people off with a sentiment, we need to be pushing people to him. And so what if it looked like this? Instead of just you're in my thoughts and prayers and we check that box and we go on and we just move about our day and we move about our lives, what if it looked like this? You're in my thoughts and prayers because I know there's a God that says he walks alongside the brokenhearted and he'll do it for you. You're in my thoughts and prayers because there's a God who rises with compassion towards you and his mercies are new every morning, which means you have a new start to every single day. Your problems don't overtake you. What if we began to say you're in my thoughts and prayers because there is a God that brings peace, that passes understanding, that makes no sense to have in your situation, but he's promised he'll do it when you let him enter into it. And that takes work on our part to be able to move past the sentiments and to be able to push people to who God says that he is. And so what sentiments can I exchange or can we exchange for hope? Because that's where God is trying to lead us through these problems. There are pathways to Jesus and Jesus leads to hope. So what can we exchange? Instead of a passing sentiment, how can we point people to truth? How can we point people to hope? Because really, God is desiring to do an unseen, behind-the-scene work in every single problem we encounter. What does that look like if we move past the sentiments? And so now that we've kind of got this framework in place of like what carrying each other's burdens isn't, let's look at what we need to fill it with. What does carrying each other's burdens mean? What does it look like? 
And since we're talking about praying, let's just continue along that vein. And let's look at prayer. Because sometimes I think that as believers, we just pass off prayer because sometimes it's not the immediate results that we're looking for. And so we're wondering, did it work or did it not? And sometimes we forget the value and the power that prayer has, not in our own problems, but in other people's problems as well. So what does this look like when we begin to carry each other's burdens in prayer? Because prayer is when we bring a heavenly perspective to an earthly problem. And God is not calling us just to pass people off in prayer, but he's calling us to push people to prayer, so to him through prayer. So what does that look like? And I think if we went back to our five and the problems that maybe they're encountering, and, and we know like there's problems everywhere. No one is problem void. Somebody's always got something going on. And maybe we just need to ask God, open my eyes and show me who you are and who they need to see you be. And this is something that like over the last six months or year or so that something I've been growing in my own personal prayer life is this. Because so many times we go to God and like, we're like, here's the problem. And clearly I know how to fix it. I'm just going to tell you about it, God. And I'm going to tell you how to fix it because it's clear. And then you're just going to go do the work. And there really, there's nothing wrong with that because God wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what you think. And he wants to have this dialogue with you about what's going on. But so many times, like, the goal is the same. Like, yes, God wants healing. Yes, he wants restoration of a relationship. Yes, he wants the person to be at peace. Yes, he wants things to be restored. He is a God that loves justice and sees everything that we see. And just because he hasn't done anything yet doesn't mean he's not going to step in. But so many times the pathways are just a little different to get to the goal. And so sometimes in praying over people's problems, I begin to tell God what the problem is. God, this is the problem. And there was one particular situation that I can think of, and, and there were so many voices going on in this situation where it was impossible. It was like, much like the song that we just sang. Like, it's impossible. Things aren't going to change. This is just the way it's going to be. Nothing can fix that. Nothing can help that. And I began to pray over this situation, and I just felt God impress upon me, Gina, my name is Mighty. I'm mighty. I'm bigger than all of that. And so I began to pray that might over that situation and that person's problem that, God, that they would see God as mighty. And in that process, not only did the power of God's name speak over that situation and into those people, but what it did for me was to remind me of who God is. Because honestly, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that his name was mighty. And so when we pray, Prayer is actually hard work. Prayer is laboring for each other. When we call out to God and we ask God, how do you want to be evident in this situation? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a restorer? Do you want to be the gateway of hope? Do you want to be mighty? And yes, he does, and we agree with God in that. But in that process, we get to know him better at the same time that we are speaking power over that person and in that situation. And oftentimes, if God would have fixed it like I thought he should, like I thought maybe he wanted to, if he would have just went ahead and done it, what would have happened is they would have been robbed of knowing that he is mighty. They would have been robbed of knowing, like, when the situation seems grim, I can still have peace that passes understanding that makes no sense if God would have just fixed it. He's out to make himself known. And you get to be a part of that in other people's lives. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for problems. The second thing that we're going to do is we're just going to be present. We're just going to show up. 
And it sounds simple just to show up and be present, but you all have schedules. And we know how busy our lives are. And being present can sometimes be hard. And sometimes if you haven't been there, done that, you can still listen and you can learn. There's so much value in what we hear from people that have gone through great times of grief. So often they'll say it wasn't the advice that people gave me. It was just that they showed up. They were just there. I just knew I could count on somebody. I had a place to be. I had somebody I could be safe with. I had somebody I could be real with. But what if you have been there, done that? And I imagine just from looking at our prayer pages and just knowing some of you have been through a lot. You guys have carried, carried sorrows and troubles and problems, and you're still winding and working your way through them. And that can be really heavy at times, but really when you look at it as the body of believers, the strength that we have in each other because we've been through so much together. And sometimes you do need to share what you've been through and open up your problems to help others along. And I'm reminded of someone that we get to work with here. We, have, we are very blessed to have her. She is somebody that is on staff with us, and she just went through some great, great tragedies in her life where she lost two infants. And not long after that, she lost her husband. And just to say that out loud just feels impossible. Like, how could that even happen to one person? And the weight of that seems so much but what she's done with that, instead of internalizing it, she's opened it up, she's opened her sufferings up, and she's shared them. And because of that, we've been able to learn from her and walk alongside other people. And even just last week, we had someone else that lost an infant. And she was able to come alongside us and say, here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you just need to be aware of. Here's when you need to follow back up. And instead of internalizing her wounds and her problems like we so tend to do and we want to do that, we want to keep them inside ourselves because we have to become vulnerable to open them up. But when we internalize them, we become bitter. But what she's done is she's opened up her sufferings and shared them with others to where they have become sacred. And because of that, we are better, but you are better as a church because of her being willing to open up her wounds and comfort other people with them. So where have you been? What has God done in your life so that you can use it to help other people carry their burdens? Because don't let your sufferings go wasted. Allow them to become sacred by helping other people carry their burdens. And I'm reminded she lives this out so well is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And he said, he comforts us in all our afflictions so that we can comfort those who are in need through the comfort we have received. Through Christ, our comfort overflows. And so maybe you haven't been comforted like you need to. You are still internalizing those wounds. And I want to challenge you to, to open them up, to allow someone to spot you, to allow someone to come alongside you and carry your burdens. And if that's you and you need to reach out, reach out to us. We want to help you carry those burdens. Don't internalize them. But if you have, you have got a, if you've been through something and you, you want to use what you've been through to help others, you have a very specific and unique role where you can help carry other people's burdens. 
Because so often we allow other people to look for other things to comfort them instead of the comforter. So how are you using, ask God, help me see how to use what I've been through to help other people carry their load, to carry their burdens. And then the next thing that we can do when we look at carrying is we can provide. And like we just talked about, providing doesn't mean you go in and you do everything, but it does mean that you do something. Because the reality is, like, what good is it if we have somebody that is in pain, somebody that is hungry, somebody that just needs clothes, and we're there with them, we're sitting with them, we're looking at them, and we're praying for them, but yet we do nothing, all while we're holding it in our hands. And the scripture actually tells us, like, if that is you, if you have good in your hands, you have the good to do, the resources to do it, but you don't do it, you're in the wrong. And so what does that look like for you? And one of the things that I love and that we are committed to here at the summit is being a provider. We're not going in and doing everything, but we're going to provide for our community. And that is because you have chosen to honor God with your gifts. And when you do that, we are able to push it out of here. And just last week, we had a single mom that was able to finally get into an apartment, just delighted because they had been sleeping in their car. She has two kids and just not in a safe situation. And they were just thrilled and delighted to be somewhere that was safe and warm. And yet they had nothing, not a thing in the apartment. And because we we work with the school so well, they reached out to us and said, we've got a situation. And when they do that, we are immediately able to respond and provide what this family needs. So not only do they have a safe place where they feel safe and warm and have a place to be, but they've got beds to sleep on now. And so sometimes providing is absolutely the right thing to do. And we get to do that corporately as a church over and over again. And I wish we could tell you every single time. I wish a bell could chime or something. Because it's every single week you're getting to do this for other people, other people's problems. You're getting to step in. But what does that look for you personally? Because remember, you have a personal ministry. What does that look for you? Who's in your five? Who do you need to provide for? You don't have to do everything, but just a little something. And really, when we do these things, like these good deeds, Scripture just says we're just laying down the groundwork for the gospel to be heard, for hope to be absorbed, for, all, for it to all be taken in, for it to all take root. Because life is way more than about possessions. But if somebody is lacking what they need, they can't hear the truth of the gospel, the hope that we carry with us unless we start there first. And so who do you need to provide for? One of the things I love about scripture is it says in the Psalms, like he, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And now that doesn't mean that's why we do it. It's just because we're gonna be refreshed. But the crazy and good thing about God is like, he just can't help himself. When we begin to follow his ways and his commandments, he's like, I'm not gonna hold back on you. Like my comfort is gonna overflow in your life. And like, you're gonna be refreshed. And some of you have experienced that. We hear it all the time. Like it was better for me than it was for them. That's what that means. It's like you're choosing to step into this Jesus way and he's promising to do what he said that he would do. So who do you need to provide for? And let's look back at Galatians. Because when we do these things, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so what is the law of Christ? 
We believe in that so strongly here as a church. It's like we've got it written on our walls and you see it everywhere. It kind of reduced it down to love first. But basically what Jesus was saying was love as I have loved you. And maybe you're just beginning to learn what that's like because that is something that we have to grow into. I'm still beginning to understand what that means. Love as as I have loved you. We can't exhaust it. Because the reality is we were on that bench press. We're on that bench press. And we're lifting that weight. And we're trying to be reach perfection. We're trying to meet everybody's expectations. We're trying to be approved of God or by others. And no matter how much we work out, if our bodies were at their max potential and we're lifting that weight, we can't get it high enough. We can't reach it. It's impossible, even in our best state, even when we think that we're the best, and even when we know that we're the worst. We can never get it up there. And the weight of all humanity, the weight of the world comes crashing down on us. But Jesus, instead of just being the spotter, he comes in and he takes our place. And instead of the weight of humanity and the weight of the world and the weight of our imperfections and all the things that we are never gonna be, instead of it crushing down on us, it crushes down on him. And the scriptures tell us because of that, it was his iniquities, it was his his wounds that brought us peace, that buy us freedom. So that every time you step into the role of carrying one another's burdens, whatever that looks like, he's carrying you because he's promised to do that. He already has. And so this is not too weighty of a thing. When we begin to look at carrying other people's problems the Jesus way, because he's not gonna leave you, he's, not gonna, he's got your back, he's not gonna leave you unguarded. He's gonna hold you up when we choose to walk in this way. And when we read on in Galatians, we don't have time to do it in our time here together, but I encourage you to read it sometime this week, Galatians 6, because all of the concepts that we've talked about in here are packed in there. But one of the things that it says in there is like continue to do good while you have the opportunity to do so. Because I think Paul knew, like we all know, like we don't always have the opportunity that we have right now. You're not always gonna have your five in front of you. They're gonna come and go. You're gonna come and go. You're gonna move. You're gonna change. You're gonna change hairdressers. You're gonna change whoever. They're gonna come and they're gonna go. So who is in front of you right now that God has purposely put there? Your resources and your income, they're gonna come. They're gonna go. You can tell the economy just does like this. You don't know. So who has God put in front of you today to provide for? And our sufferings, our troubles, our problems, as we talked about last week, they're light and momentary. And that seems crazy to think about right now, but one day you're not even gonna know you suffered because it's gonna be done. It's gonna be complete. Whatever God was trying to work out in your problem, he's gonna finish it. You're not gonna have it anymore. You're not gonna have it to share. So what is that that God has put in front of you, that God has put in your hands that you need to use and capture today because you won't always have it? And when I think about this, a picture comes to mind. I don't know if any of you have seen the redwood trees in California. But this is the image. You would think that the redwood trees are like 350 feet tall. They're huge. 
And some of them are estimated to weigh like 500 tons. Like, that's a lot. And yet these trees stand all together and you would think something that massive and something that big, the root would just have to go way deep down to the middle of the earth. But it doesn't. The roots of those trees grow outwardly and they entangle with the other trees around them to the point where they're intertwined and they're intertangled and they begin to share nutrients with each other. And not only do they share nutrients, they begin to anchor each other down. And these trees have stood for centuries. And these trees have been through wind. They've been through fire. They've been through rain and storms. They've been through earthquakes. And yet they still stand. And I can't help but think of that image as Paul is writing as he's telling us, this is what it looks like when you carry each other's burdens is that. Like that's the body of Christ. We are not meant to go big and tall so everybody sees us and the spotlight is on us. But we're meant to grow outward into each other so that we begin to carry each other. And we become stronger because of it. So what does that look like in your life? And we're thankful that you're here at the summit because we want to be known as a church that does that that reaches out to those around us and becomes a place of hope, a place of strength, a place of healing, where God's name is spoken and he's given the glory because of it. But what does it look like in your personal life? So as we finish out this series, I'm gonna pray for all of us and pray for myself too, that we begin to do just what Paul described, that we carry each other's burdens. So let's pray with, together. Jesus, we could be here all day just thinking about who you are and, and just discovering more and more about your goodness towards us. We don't deserve it, but yet you freely give it. So God, you know where each of us are at. Sometimes burdens just feel a lot, especially when they're not our own. And we don't know how to step in because sometimes it's just awkward or it's just overwhelming or like, we just don't know where to get started. So God, I just ask that you just speak to each one of us and show us who that person is. Relieve the pressure of it has to be everybody, but just somebody, God. Teach us how to pray. Teach us about who you are, who you want to be. The world needs to know it. And we wanna be the ones that get to tell them about it. So help us, God, as we search your heart, as we bring people to you. God, we just ask for your healing and we ask for your restorative work. We believe in it. But while we're waiting for it, God, I just ask that you help us through the process. You help us carry each other as you've designed us to. And we know that your words just begin to become true when we do that. Because when we love like you, the world's gonna know that we're yours. We get to carry your name. And that is a great honor. In your name we pray, amen.